Welcome to the uh, Comical Heathen uh, live stream Q&A. This is your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Uh, we're just getting started here, as always, with these kind of uh, live streams. There can be technical issues, but uh, we got it all sorted out now, and we got an hour of Q&A ahead of us. We've been uh, scouring our social media landscape for topics and questions. I started doing these live Q&As as part of the podcast because I had a Q&A section in the live show I was doing in 2019, and uh, the audiences seem to like it. And it's, you know, fun uh, interactions, almost an improv game the way I do it. Uh, you know, I'm not always an expert, but I'm here to joke around and have some fun and to see what you're interested in. When I do a Q&A show, I always need a helper. So I've invited a very good friend of mine to be our co-host. He has gathered the questions. I know very little about what we're about to talk about, actually. Uh, he's got that part of it organized. He's going to bring the topics and questions. He's going to monitor your comments. If you're watching us on YouTube or any other social media site, feel free to say hi or feel free to do whatever. We want to hear from you. But let me bring on my co-host, my very good friend, touring comedian. We've done a lot of shows together. He's part of the our action comedy nerd show family and part of the Comical Heathen Show. Please welcome Jesse Pimpinella. Yeah. How y'all doing? How you doing, everyone? <laughs> hey, that's, that's the a murkiest thing I've ever done for anybody. <laughs> I know that's quite a sharp um, coffee mug you have there. You right. know, um, when the show, when I started doing the live show, and uh, we only did a few, and then the pandemic hit, and you know, comedy shut down, and that's understandable. Mm -hmm. But get ready for the tour, Jesse. I ordered a whole crate of those coffee cup mugs, yeah. and now my wife says, "Thanks for buying us fifty hundred. <laughs> 5,000 coffee mugs. Endless <laughs> supply of coffee mugs at my house right now. Just tell her to have faith. That's yeah. all. That's what the show's <laughs> yeah. about. Having all about no faith. faith at all. So you never know. Yeah. No, no comedian has ever ordered merch without faith. That's all. <laughs> if there was ever a faith-based activity, it's the comedian who orders merch. <laughs> I never thought you could make even the most unreligious comic religious when buying merch. That's yeah. a very interesting fact. Yeah, uh, the Action Comedy Nerd Show has 100 t-shirts I purchased that I've taken on the road to at least 40 shows, and we've sold eight of them. So if you well, want a coffee mug or a shirt or a CD, you know, go to my uh, merch shop. I do it through Etsy, so I have an Etsy shop. But uh, let's not dwell on that, Jesse. Let's dwell on what we're here to do, uh, which is, hey, how are you doing today, Jesse? Hey, I can't complain right now, just... Uh... Waking up, uh, I've just been watching a bunch of horror movies, and uh, I'm not gonna lie. E since Easter has passed, we are six months right. away from Halloween. Mm -hmm. So, and I got married on Halloween, so I'm I'm excited. So, no. this, this is like a Christmas all, lie for me right now. All theater kids, which you and I are both theater kids, yes. No, Halloween is the number one holiday. Oh, it is. It is. Yes. I mean, look at your theme music. You had you had the organ playing, man. That's yeah, that organ is um. A friend of mine is an international organist. His name's Mark Bell, and he released a CD, and that CD is available of him playing Bach music so beautifully. And he uh, gave me verbal permission to use his music as my theme music. <laughs> verbal, everybody. Yes, I mean uh, on the record, he gave me. And then my friend uh, Jeff Gettert, who helps me with this show, uh, remixed it, so it's got sort of that funky uh, drumming and guitar to it now. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Mark and Jeff, for creating the theme music for the Comical Heathen. Hey, Jesse, we're here today to do Q&A, which means we've gathered questions and topics and social media posts orbiting around the comical heathen. Jesse is ready to go. And um, I do want to say that I did do a couple social media posts in the past couple months. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm in my, about what I'm about to say, I'm in my actual work office in an undisclosed location somewhere in Northeast Ohio. You see a very small fraction of my books. That black shirt is actually the subway system of Tokyo, where I lived in Japan for four years. And I posted that on my desk at work, I have one of these. Oh, my God. That? <laughs> that is a villain from the old Ultraman series. Yeah. And uh, if you see it's tagged, it says number one because you could buy all of the toys. But he was released first because he's the most famous villain. In English, he's called Baltan. And I posted that I'm the only person in America that has a Baltan on his desk. And one of my friends responded uh, as a joke that he bets that's not true. So I'm challenging anyone who's out there, if you have any Ultraman monsters on your desk, I want to hear about it. Because I think go. I'm the only nerd that, that is that nerdy, at least about Ultraman. I, I think you will find a few people. I remember when Ultraman was uh, one of the Saturday morning cartoons on uh, 
uh, CW's like uh, lineup. I remember when they yeah. had for a while. I was like, oh my god, Ultron, Ultraman! This is a new show, and everybody's like, no, no, <laughs> no. Like, no, you're yeah. just the next generation who discovered it. That's all. <laughs> but, but still, hey, you know that's the beauty of uh, the culture. I mean, you, 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 our our nerd culture, everything keeps getting new life, new gener regeneration in generations. So that's always a good thing. But and for hey, let yeah. in to the um, you know zero to twelve people who are currently watching. Let me just add that the episode we're doing today, we do have a special guest coming on uh, towards the end of the episode. Headliner, a very good friend of mine, DJ Dangler. So if you love me, if you love Jesse, but if you love DJ Dangler, make sure you hang out because uh, we're going to bring him on uh, later on in the show. You heard it here. <laughs> All right, Jesse, let's get into it. You have the questions and topics. Which one are we? What are we? What are we? What are we, what are we, what are we, what are we doing first? Well, this what this uh, just came across the uh, comical heathen uh, desk. So uh, let's uh, let's write it off, dear Jerry. Uh, for the weekend for Easter, I went for a long drive with my dad and started to talk about religion. We raised we were raised Catholic. He was raised Catholic. And I told him that I was no longer Catholic and had no intentions of returning to Mass after the pandemic. He agreed and strongly assured me that he had no judgment towards me on the matter. However, as the conversation pro progressed, I brought up the fact that I don't really believe in God in the same way either. Uh, this revelation was met with far more judgment. And what do you think our friend Cameron sent to us? Hmm. Yeah, what do you think? Kind of open-ended, just want to get our reaction to it. The first thing I want to say is that in the story, there's like two steps, right? There's he's decided he's no longer Catholic, and then he's decided he no longer believes in God. And that is like two different decisions, two different life decisions. Yeah. You're Catholic, as I recall, and uh, I come from, you know, I'm Jewish and Catholics, which I'm not. So please correct me. Oh, and Jewish people, something that we share is that it's it's possible to like stop doing all the observances, but still be Catholic and Jewish. Yeah, and it's also possible to do all the observances, like to be an observant Jew or a observant Catholic, but be an atheist. Like you stop believing in God, but you want to continue going to mass or doing the holidays, things like that. So it's possible to do like, it's two separate journeys in a way. And I, I'm gonna add in just one comment, that, just a funny thing a friend said to me that I think is in the mix. Friend named, uh, we call him Crazy Larry. Larry is a physicist, uh, he's an atheist. He's super funny, but to the point where he's also like, doesn't consider other people's feelings. So he's a bit of a jerk. But he once said to me that he was glad, relieved, fortunate, as a Christian, just not a Catholic, but just American Christian, to have been raised in the religion that is the easiest in the world to leave. If you're an average run-of-the-mill Christian, just go, I'm not a Christian anymore. Like, there's no, <laughs> you're not like ostracized. You're not punished. Your parents might be upset. Who knows? But that's about the limit. Uh, you're not excommunicated. You're not like divorced from your yeah. family, right? It's a very, it's, a, it's, I think it's an easy, clean breakup, right. you know? Yes. It's, it's a mutual breakup, you know, the religion stops talking to you, you stop talking to them, and then you just, you go your separate way. You might see your religion every once in a while, the old one, like, hey, how you doing? You know, but yeah. Just My father, um, who, who is Jewish, was watching, uh, you know, there's like a Hebrew network, and there was a rabbi who does lessons, and he's a perfectly fine speaker and teacher. But he did this lecture that my father wanted me to see. He's like, Jerry, you're going to sit down. This is a great lecture. I want you to watch this lecture. Hit the play button. And it was, you know, it was a Jewish culture lecture. It is what it is. But the theme of it was, if you're Jewish, what that means, this is what the rabbi was saying, mm -hmm. is that you're part of a family. And if you, uh, no matter what you do, observant, non-observant, religious, non-religious, atheist, believer, traveling the world, Wherever you are, you're part of that family. And uh, my father wanted me to watch this because he wanted me to like get the message that no matter sort of how un-Jewish I am, I'm still part of the Jewish family. I did not take that video the way he wanted me to. <laughs> I mean, is this Jewish culture can be a wonderful thing, and many Jewish people are wonderful people. But describing it as a cult that I can never leave, Jewish religion is not the Hotel California. If I check yeah. out, I have left. No, well, I think. Um, and this, it, is, it is interesting. I think the writer was surprised that his father was more upset that he was becoming an atheist 
But I'm not surprised, right? Isn't that like the bigger thing? Like, hey, don't be a Catholic, you know, you're still part of our family, like uh, not just biologically, but the, the tribe of what we believe in, you know, believers. But when you when you flip that card or come out of the closet as an atheist, you'll get strong reactions from family members. I think that's that can be the case. I know my parents are you know both believers, and when I started having uh, little uh, mini Jerry's children, my uh, mother specifically said to me very kindly, it wasn't an argument, but could I at least raise my children to be open-minded to religion? Mm. And I said, of course, I'll I'll raise them to be open-minded to religion. They're are gonna, you know, think for themselves. Turns out we meant two different things. <laughs> Turns out if you raise your children to be open-minded, that means a kind of like skepticism, like show me the evidence. Mm-hmm. So her version of raising the children to be open-minded towards religion was probably like meant something different to me. So I said, yes, of course I would. And she probably heard a different message than <laughs> yeah. So I'm not surprised in that writer's story that his parents, you know, or his father was more upset about him becoming an atheist than him like leaving the Catholic faith. Uh, Jesse, is it possible to stop being a Catholic? You're a Catholic. You're kind of a cafeteria Catholic. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Can you stop being a Catholic? Like, are you always part of the family slash cult? Like the rabbi said. For me, see, that's the problem. I've had a big issue with organized religion for a very mm-hmm. long time uh, because I always believed in a religious idea rather than a religious belief. A belief is something people will kill people over. They will fight right. a war for. They will they will murder in the name of whatever god they choose today. But the idea you can grow, evolve, change, adapt. You, there's mm-hmm. there's something beautiful beautiful about that and very fluid. Mm-hmm. And I believe in that. I'm more oh, agnostic, but I mean, like, I still follow parts of the Catholic belief, the good parts, you know, the, <laughs> golden, rule. the golden rule, love everybody, right? you know, no matter what, I don't care. You know, I, I hate the whole where our Bible decided to have the golden rule with an asterisk, where yeah, it's like sure. every major religion has it throughout history, like for thousands of years, has had a version of the golden rule. Hmm. It's just oh, yeah. all of them. All it's of almost them. like common sense in terms of survival. You couldn't have a village or a tribe exist if people were just killing each other. Like you have to have some sense, if not of empathy, of just being organized. Like <laughs> you would not be organized. Even yeah. the mafia have a version of the golden rule. You know, do not whack onto others lest they whack onto you. You know. Yeah. Are you gonna? Uh, yeah. But but it, the thing is, in the idea of leaving your religion, the idea of stopping Catholic, I think you can. You can stop being Catholic. I mean, by 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 many people's definition, I'm not Catholic anymore. I'm not. I'm I. But I I, I believe there is. I believe there's a God. Okay. And I will never judge anybody who says there isn't. If okay. you don't believe there isn't, then okay, that's that's what you believe, and I will respect it. All, all right, Jesse. Let it be known that I will never judge somebody just because they believe in God either. So we're yeah. even. Everybody's eating a shit sandwich out here in life right yeah, now. Life is tough. During the pandemic. All right. Whatever gets you through the day and keeps you moving on through this world, mm-hmm. God bless you, or uh, an entity bless you, or may science bless you, whatever it is. You know, I don't think it's right to judge somebody or criticize somebody or unless their bullshit pushes forth violence. And I mean the word bullshit. If your religion is pushing forth violence, then yeah. So I can, here's the thing, on a two-prong level, I can understand why he doesn't want to be Catholic anymore. I get that. You know, I mean, the, I mean, the Catholic Church has condoned uh, many horrible things, not just sure. recently, but forever, crusades and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, killing in the name, killing because science yeah. is too scary. I love science. Science is great. I, I, I believe that with science and faith, they are two different entities. They should not be yeah. ever mixed up because one is evidence-based, one is not evidence-based. It's like, you can't say these are the same things. And then going further, when he said, I don't believe in God, which funny story, this happened to my brother and I love my brother. So I told you the story off air. Uh, my brother recently came out as an atheist okay. <laughs> at my wedding. At my right. wedding, we're all sitting. I hope so- it was during the speech. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you two a wonderful life together and I don't believe in God. There's no meaning to life. We are all going to die. Mazel tov. <laughs> Mazel tov. What happened was we're all sitting at the at the the, the last supper table for the bride uh, and groom, right? I don't know what it's called, but the bridal party, whatever. Wedding party, yeah. 
Yeah. So anyways, we're sitting there and he's like, and we're just all talking, just having a good time. And he's like, you know, somebody, I, this has been a crazy year. And I'm like, I know it has been. I mean, I can't believe I'm married. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm atheist now. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> like, he just brought it out of nowhere. Yeah. My, brother, my brother is so funny. Like he is just so damn funny. The timing of anything he brings me news wise is I love it. Oh, and I'm like, oh, really? You're atheist. And he's like, yeah. And then I'm like, uh, how does it make you feel? He's like, not going to recommend it. Uh, it's quite <laughs> like I'm right now going through that phase of uh, <laughs> I die and nothing happens. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm cracking up. I, 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 I throw up a little every day when I think about that. Like I have a daily <laughs> vomit due to that dread. <laughs> <laughs> it just, but it, it was so funny. He's just like, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> like he wishes he could go back. And it, it, essentially – Speak and again, this I'm trying to stay away from the topics we're going to talk about. He got oh. sort of red pilled in his. Sure, sure. He got red pilled, and uh, I, I guess I took the blue pill, which is okay. Hey, some people. Hey, hey, hey the, the red pill is still there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Look I, at you, you pill pusher! I got, one, I got one for you right now. Jesus I'm Christ, gonna... Jerry! It's Sunday. Can you give me a break? This is. I'll give you a break. But this I is my God's day off. Don't piss him off. I'm going to punish you by telling you one of the stupidest jokes I've ever written. Okay. All right. You know the children's joke? When I uh, Last night, I had a dream that I was eating a giant marshmallow. And when I woke up in the morning, my pillow was gone. Have you ever heard that? That's a, that's a, like a street joke. That's a, I, I, I never heard that, but it's a cute okay. joke. So people say that whether that, you know, a belief or faith gives them comfort. Right? Mm -hmm. So this is my joke. I dreamt last night that I was eating a giant pillow. And when I woke up this morning, I was an atheist. <laughs> is that possibly the dumbest joke ever? I have dumber jokes than that, trust me. I, I, I appreciate it. I, I, I definitely appreciate a good, a good atheist joke. But but so anyways. Uh, so anyway, what's next, Jesse? Yes, let's get right to Thank it. Thank you for your question. Uh, uh, I think Cameron and... Um, Hope you and someone enjoyed that. And let's go on to what do you got for us next, Jesse? Sorry, I was just cracking up about that. All right. So uh, <laughs> the next topic we got on the dais is uh, this comes across as a comment uh, okay. that was made by you. And we're going to talk about some of the questions that, and I'm going to field some of the things that came down here. It, basically, we're going to talk a little bit of time traveling right now, time machine. Okay. Uh, suspend some disbelief right now because time machines could exist. Maybe. Okay, sure. I don't give a fuck whether or not you would kill Hitler. If you can go back in time, the real question is, would you save Jesus? Now, you wrote this uh, a while ago. Uh, before we get right into the comment section, what what made you decide to have this thought, Jerry? It does go off the beaten path because everybody is obsessed with, do we kill Hitler? But well, you I mean, That's the cliche. There's, there's, there was a Doctor Who episode about it. Then There's been other short stories, science fiction of course, there's been time travel stories about going back in time and changing things, but the the, the stereotype, the cliche, is killing Hitler. It just occurred to me, just in that random like writing in your comedy notebook way, the time machine is interesting. It's one of my favorite types of story. Like I I love Back to the Future. I love the Terminator. The later Terminator movies, of course, yeah, but just the first couple plus just the concept. I love stories about time travel. It's just interesting. And also you get to see historic figures. Like so go back in time and see Hitler or Jesus or whatever. So right. I find the whole topic fascinating. It, time travel would create paradoxes, right? If you, this came up in the, M, in the MCU, right? If you go back in time and kill Hitler, then you've actually removed the reason you invented time travel. So why would in the future would you invent time travel if Hitler never existed? So that's like the philosophical paradox. Yeah. Um, and I do think there's one piece of evidence that time travel might be occurring. And that is every few years, there's evidence like a researchers, historians find out more information about Hitler's deformed genitals. <laughs> like at first it was that he was infertile. Then a few years later, he only had one testicle. Then a few years later, it was that he had like a bent penis. And I think that's time travelers going back in time and just kicking Hitler in the nuts. So that that's, Possible evidence of time travel. If they go by the Marvel uh, time traveling rules, technically you can't change your past or your future because you changed the branch reality. So Right. Well, that's the paradox. So when they there's, went back in time to do their heist, basically, basically a heist movie, 
Yeah. They made a big deal out of you can't change the things that are happening except sneak in, get the stone, and later they're going to put the stone back so that nothing has changed. Now, all of that is already questionable, but of course, in the movies, Loki escaped. So they did change something. And that is supposed to set up the multi part of setting up the multiverse. And the show Loki, which not to plug it, check it out. It could be awesome. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one. That's a spinoff show I'm looking for. Oh, it, they 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 talk about the branch reality stuff, which yeah. I'm, I'm all for. Well, I raised the stakes. Instead of Hitler, if you went back and saved Jesus, you would be changing the course of history for thousands of years, but you'd be saving the life of this heroic figure that some people love so much. So that's the, you know, the paradox in the joke. So there is a belief someone has that uh, they're taking a, uh, a page out of uh, Stephen King's most brilliant time traveling uh, novel. It doesn't say this in the comment. I just recognize what they're doing. 11.22.63, in which they said time will push back because this is a predestined event that needs to occur no matter what. So they believe that no matter what you do, you, you can't change the time. The time will fight back. Da uh, David comments, save Jesus, save one Jewish life. Kill Hitler, save six million Jewish lives, which is interesting. It's a very interesting concept. He used math there. Yes, I'm a fan of math. Let it be known. Go on the record. <laughs> and you commented back, ah, math, you cruel bitch. <laughs> which I got to say, great answer. Yes, yes. I'll, it, his answer is great. My answer is, uh, you know, just being cutesy on Facebook. But I will say, if you save Jesus, then there are no Christians. And therefore, all Jews from 2,000 years ago to now are saved from persecution, at least by the hands of Christians. So there would be no Hitler. There, uh, there'd be no Catholic slash Christian Hitler <laughs> to kill 6 million Jews. Then there would be no Mel Brooks and we wouldn't laugh. Well, I mean, Mel Brooks is Jewish, so we'd have Mel Brooks. He, but would, he, wouldn't, be, but he wouldn't be spend his career mocking Hitler. I, we would if we we would live in a world where the musical producers yeah, there'd be no there'd be no the producers. I, I I I'm not sure if I can live that world. I mean, we gotta refresh this question. Put an asterisk in this question. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, if you save Jesus, you're gonna cause the future to be not as funny. <laughs> well, that's well, the asterisk. Well, the, the Jews back then were funny, you know. <laughs> But not the Mel Brooks funny, right? Because right? now you know thirty percent of all comedy writers are Jewish. Mm -hmm. If you went back and saved Jesus, a hundred percent of all comedy writers would be Jewish. But you'd be taken away. <laughs> part one. I'm sorry. I'm such a Mel Brooks fan. Like, oh I, yeah, Trust, Mel Brooks would still be funny. It's okay, if, <laughs> Gary. If you can assure me that Mel Brooks will still be funny, then go go forth yeah. upon the mission. Okay. Huh. <laughs> Any other good comments on that on that thread? Uh, I don't think the G-men would let you. The, he'd have to gag the crow off Judas, keep him off, keep him away from the Jews. It's a whole rigmarole. This is a great question, though, says Barry. So, uh, Barry, yeah, that's another version of the uh, uh, like Stephen King and Doctor Who has this too, like fixed points in time that can't yeah. be, be changed. So Barry's theory is while you were trying to save. Jesus, God would do something to you. <laughs> she would never be able to finish that mission. Yeah. Which just goes to show what a cruel son of a bitch God is. <laughs> that he would kill or stop the person trying to save, quote unquote, his son. People listening to this at home, I just made air quotes, the greatest thing to do on radio. If you're watching on YouTube, bam, air quote. So just to say, you know, God is going to this, in this scenario, God is stopping someone from saving God's own son. That's pretty messed up. <laughs> I got one last comment that I, I do appreciate. In honor of the fact there was a movie, uh, King Kong versus God, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, here's what uh, Shane Clark throws in. I would grab Jesus and bring him to Hitler's time and make them fight to the death. The celebrity death match approach to history, to time Where, travel. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to write a movie now, and I'm going to have to give Shane a credit for story idea. <laughs> oh my God! What a imagine the film possibility, like a big coliseum where aliens grab famous people from history and make them fight it out. Possibilities are fucking endless. Someone on that thread, if you have it in front of you, because people listening at home, I don't have any of this material. Jesse's bringing it. 
said something about uh, the four-day weekend. Oh, yeah. oh remember oh, that comment? Yeah, you're gonna make me look all through here. Holy shit! It'll be like three seconds, and then I'll just paraphrase it. You're probably gonna have to paraphrase it because I'm said, right I, I, I said an evil baby orphanage right now. <laughs> also a good comment. But someone went on there and posted something about they would they wouldn't save Jesus, but they would uh, change the day he died so that he came back on a Monday, so we could have a paid four day weekend. That is a good. That is a good idea. Yeah. Topic to have. It's a it's practical and it's a payday. We have a winner. Hey Jesse, if you have it queued up, I think it's time for a public service announcement. I believe so. It is. So uh, without further ado, let's have our PSA. A message from the comical heathen. It's not always easy to recognize if someone you love has become a member of a cult. Here are some of the warning signs. If you notice a change in their fashion, that's actually just a different color of robes. If their group provides medical attention that doesn't involve any doctors. If their congregation is less like the cast of the movie The Mission and more like the cast of Mission Impossible. If their ceremonies involve chanting to lock someone up. If there's any talk about long-distance travel by spacecraft. If someone you love is demonstrating cult-like behaviors, direct them to the comical heathen. We could really use the followers. <laughs> thank, well, you, you everybody. <laughs> thank you, public service announcement dude. We definitely could use the followers. So in a minute or two, we're coming close to the time when we're going to bring on our special guest. Before we get to our special guest, Jesse, I, let's uh, mention, I, I first met DJ Dangler at Indiana Comic-Con. Yes. You, me, and Dan Brown are part of a, uh, are not a part, we are the heart of a group called the Action Comedy Nerd Show. And uh, before the pandemic, we would spend the year, especially the summer months, traveling to anime and comic book conventions. Mm -hmm. um, doing nerd comedy shows, uh, jokes about time travel and Doctor Who and Dungeons and Dragons and our mm -hmm. life as nerds. And uh, when we did Indiana Comic Con the first time a few years ago, I saw another comedy show on the pro was listed on the program. So, you know, went to see what the deal was. And there I met uh, the hilarious uh, touring headliner. He also has commentated uh, wrestling, by the way. Fantastic. Very uh, interesting, diverse and hilarious. Let's bring onto the show now, Jesse, our special guest, DJ Dangler. Hey, hi, Jesse. Hi, Jerry. Thanks, guys. So happy to be here. So happy to have you. DJ, it's so good to see you. And yeah. uh, with comedy being largely shut down the past year, there's been less opportunities to see you. So yeah. how have you been doing? I've been as good as I think anybody's been. <laughs> and, and not a billionaire. Yeah. Still not a billionaire. You've kept your beard trimmed. You actually, your beard looks neater now than the last time I saw you. Uh, there for a while. This is at the very like onset of lockdown. Mm -hmm. I was rocking a Hulk Hogan mustache. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> for a handful of reasons. Sure. <laughs> like one of the driving forces was like I realized I kind of can't get stuff done unless I kind of hate my boss. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of a rage-based producer of things. Mm -hmm. And work for yourself, that's really difficult. So uh, <laughs> I realized, like, if I look like an aggressive a-hole, right. like, this guy, this guy needs a hand. But no, but uh, so, yes, yeah, so I'm just kind of growing into after the fact. It is, it's funny, though, like, for, like, months, this is, it sounds ridiculous, but I don't know if you've ever watched silly facial hair on purpose and also like it's not that that mustache is inherently silly it's mm -hmm. funny on my face there's no joke like, <laughs> that, like it doesn't look ironic like it looks i look like your least favorite uncle like, right yeah <laughs> I look like, it's one of those like hey name name any other amendment i can't sir only the second one matters <laughs> like i don't have that it's like there's no humor to it, other unless you you legitimately know me, then I think it's very funny. <laughs> um, 
No, I mean, I, I would forget I had it. So like on the rare occasion where I would see people, <laughs> like, why is this person, oh, they're treating me because I look like me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would well, imagine. These ahead. people are jerks. They are just perceptive. <laughs> I'd imagine you get people walking to the other side of the street, but for different reasons than they usually walk to the other side yeah. of the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, it was a, it was fun. I might, I'm, I'm honestly thinking of going back to it sure. <laughs> just because it's it's a liberating experience to have people have no expectations of you. Yes. <laughs> like, does that make, like, I, nobody you, asked that guy for your beard trimmed and wearing that nice red shirt, you look like someone who gets stuff done. Yeah, I could help you if something's up yes. high at, at the store, of course. Sure. But if I'm walking that Hogan, you're like, no, I don't need any help with you ruining Thanksgiving. We're good. In fact, I may leave now. <laughs> yeah. uh, however, it it does, it can, I can catch like the boomerang from it. A lot of guys I don't like mm -hmm. assume we're pals. Right. <laughs> like, I do get a lot of that. And, and that can kind of, it's not, it is, it does kind of feel like, it is weird that that's camouflage in a weird way. Yes. It's effective camouflage for the crowd that wears camouflage. Yes. <laughs> like it's a very unusual dog whistle. And yeah. it's, it's particularly strange in this era where most responsible citizens are wearing masks. So if you had your mask on, they wouldn't see that. Yeah. So it's only when the mask is off. So whereas the crowd you're camouflaging with would not be wearing the mask in the first place. Yeah. So there's almost like a double signal, the lack of the mask it, and it, the glare. baffles them. They get so mad about it. Yes. Yeah. It's like it's like back it's like it's like back when Maury used to have like beautiful transgender women on mm -hmm. and you would have guys just like, I need to break my TV. I don't know how to get feelings. <laughs> I had a back in the eighties, I had a friend, his grandfather was an old Michigan farmer salt of the earth, you know, Republican as you can get. And that's when there were the surge for really having seatbelt laws was coming on. And this gentleman broke his seatbelt so he could lie it on his lap in case the police saw him, yeah. but it would not function. Yeah. And I just thought like, I've thought about this gentleman because of the people who refuse to wear a mask. Yeah. Like you would rather break your seatbelt then wear a safety device. <laughs> the, yeah. notion, the notion of freedom and where people draw their line has always just delighted me. Like, <laughs> I mean, like it, that's such a weird position to take. But like a, a friend of mine went to Africa in college, like his mm -hmm. senior year to like do some pharmacy stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they had a cool whatever. And I, I don't remember where he was, but where they were, uh, they were having like a vote for if the cops could pull you over for drunk driving, like if that was within the government's rights to say you can't drive drunk, right? And people were outraged. Like, right. Well, you want to tell me I can't get drunk in my own car? Like, yeah. And I just love that, like <laughs> our level of what we are presented is freedom and great yeah. and the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Any infringement upon that <laughs> is reason to fight. <laughs> hey, guys, I've got these socks. They make your shoes smell better and last longer. I'll kill you with your hippie socks. <laughs> that, that person would now intentionally not wear socks and let mushrooms grow in their toes. Yeah, I'll show you. expression of their freedom. I, I, was, I was listening from the green room and, and like things do kind of hit similarly. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up like goofy religious. I grew up Midwestern, real American religious. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that. I grew up, it, I'll steal the joke from 30 Rock, but it was just when I heard it, I was like, oh, that's how I grew up. Christian illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> like that was like, I'm sorry, I'm Christian illiterate. I'm like, oh no, that was what my, what my church primarily was. Like, right. I like I like blue-eyed Jesus and the God that appears on Family Guy, not the one on The Simpsons. He seems smug. Yes, <laughs> he seemed okay with Homer not going to church. Yeah, but um, but no, like, like I very much I grew up with a lot of it, and I can remember like when I when I 
found out that things like orthodontia used to be deemed immoral or, or worse than that. It's not immoral. It was deemed like evil. And it was just one of those when I was like, oh, okay, this is a work in progress. This <laughs> isn't a, they didn't get it right the first run. Right. Yeah, they're not there yet. <laughs> that didn't seem so impossible to digest. Like, right. I can't think the guy in charge hates reason. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and 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 invented it, gave yeah. us reason, and now hates us for using it. Yeah. Like, yep. hey, gravity is a pain in the ass. Often. Yeah. Like gravity sucks. It kills a whole lot of people. Yeah. But well, we're yeah, it's like the number eight cause of death. Yeah, but like we're using it. We get it. It yeah. serves a purpose. Yeah. Old, age, <laughs> old age gets all of us. Yep. But if it wasn't for old age, I would have to still listen to Elvis. No one's enjoyed Elvis my entire lifetime. <laughs> we are uh, happy about it. Quick plug of my own. And what I call season one of the Comical Heathen, I had a, a long conversation with DJ about his um, background and his comedy. I'll include a link to that episode in a description of this episode. So please uh, engage more with DJ. Hilarious and also thoughtful commentary about his upbringing and about religion. But let's get DJ's thoughtful commentary on some of our Q&As. Yeah. This episode, Jesse has some material prepared for us. Jesse, what's the next question lined up? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so we are going to uh, actually talk about uh, Christian Mingle. Uh, we have an anonymous uh, friend that has wrote, uh, in the past episodes, you made fun of Christians who use Christian Mingle. I didn't get the joke. Can you explain it more, Jerry? So talk about Christian Mingle. Let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact episode, but first of all, thank you, person, for listening, as well as sending in a question. And it was one of those things that came up in conversation, so it wasn't a really, like, planned out bit. <laughs> that was So we probably didn't explain ourselves well. We we're just riffing a little bit. Uh, I'll tell you the core of the answer, and but I want to hear, then, DJ, you jump in. But the core answer, which isn't even the joke, it's just like, what, what was the joke about? It was about faith, right? Because if Christian Mingle exists, and if you're a, but you're a Christian who lives in faith, Shouldn't you have faith that God will lead you to your partner? Like, shouldn't that happen organically according to God's plan? Why would you need Christian mingle? Like, it would seem to me it's an act of not having faith to use a dating app to find your life partner. And that's the, what we were riffing about in that earlier episode. DJ, any thoughts about Christian mingle? <laughs> I just have to say, I would be nervous about Christian mingle having mm -hmm. the same drawbacks as like, Christian rock or Christian comedy. <laughs> where like the people don't have to be very good to be treated like superstars. <laughs> like, you're gonna get a whole lot of sixes that are just expecting share treatment. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would be my you're gonna get a whole lot of Kirk Camerons that really think they're Brad Pitt. <laughs> is that right? Is it Kirk Cameron? He's the lunatic. Yeah, yeah, right? you guys behind. Yeah. No, I, I, this, like I said, like I grew up in that area, in the Christian Mingle America, in the, <laughs> in the white woods of real America. And, well, that's where the, the men swipe left and right by pushing the women out of the way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad. And, and I don't know if I'm allowed to feel bad. Like, I don't know if that's condescending right? and terrible yeah. also. Yeah. But I feel really conflicted about a, lo a lot of women stuck in that area of the world of the country and it's not area it's like it's like the the opposite of the swiss cheese holes of yeah. america yeah. <laughs> like i would be worried about limiting my scope for who i wanted to talk to right, right. like I think that's my concern if you're like hey not as weird as farmers only that baffles <laughs> me <laughs> But even then, it, when someone explains it to me, I'm like, I guess that makes sense. You, you have to own land and work until you hate your life to make me happy. Yes. <laughs> These are qualities I look for in a dating partner. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those where I'm like, hey, if you were better at communication, you could figure that out real quickly. Right. And does farmers, I don't, uh, I don't know what the farmers meet. What, is, what do they call their dating site? Farmers meet? Farmers only. Farmers only. 
is one of the questions whether or not you've had experience milking a cow. Because I could see where that would save a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, it could. Like the cream of the crop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, well, what they do is they put a real complicated pattern on your phone. You have to match your dexterity <laughs> to. <laughs> Proves your grip strength. Uh, as comedians, we've all traveled. And I uh, can't remember, DJ, has your comedy or life ever taken you out of the United States? Not really. But okay. Canada, that's just but not any part of Canada that didn't feel like rural right. Minnesota. Like it wasn't, I didn't go to Toronto. I didn't go to Vancouver. I didn't go yeah. where it was really cold and weird. Everywhere I went just sure. felt like, it I just think, felt like a Detroit suburb. But you know, when, when you travel and you meet other people, you learn about where your hometown. So if you leave Ohio and like I lived, I went to graduate school in Boston. So for two years, it's the first time I was really out of Ohio. And I learned about Ohio by being in, yeah. And then when I traveled abroad, I learned about the United States. And I just say that in relation to um, whether it's stuck geographically, like some of the people maybe where you were raised or even where I was raised, frankly, like what are the odds that of the 7 billion people are more in the world, your soulmate lives within a five block radius of where you're currently standing? <laughs> Real fortunate. Yes. Real fortunate. Also, also kind of seems uh like mm -hmm. you brought everything your universe needs right. in a tiny little pack with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep. the limiting little pack you've got yes it's uh most people are living the uh i don't know is it the 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 cultural life of a hobo if it doesn't yeah. fit in the one knapsack <laughs> on the end of a stick then it's not part of their world uh, even a hobo implies travel. I would yes. say more <laughs> captive of a stowaway. Yes. <laughs> Stuck in a barrel on someone else's ship that you don't yeah. even know has other decks. Hey, in the question and the original, you know, joking around was that question of like faith. And I know Jesse's already brought it up. It uh, it seems to be in modern theology, the defining feature of religion. Since religion you know, can't really do a credible job of explaining science anymore. Maybe it could thousands of years ago. There's been this clear division between, and just I'm not saying what Jesse said half an hour ago, between like uh, science-based evidence, evidence-based science, but religion is faith. It doesn't need evidence. In fact, evidence would almost just uh, be a problem for, for faith. Because if you if you met God somehow, then you don't need faith to believe in God anymore. Yeah. And it's that's where I thought the whole uh, idea of uh, the idea where I kind of ripped it off of was a couple of uh, it, it goes along with some of the topics I'll bring up in a little bit. But uh, Constantine uh, at one point couldn't ask for forgiveness from God because he has no faith in God because he knows of God's existence. Therefore, because he has based evidence of knowing God exists, faith has been negated for him. But that, that almost feels like a time travel paradox. It does, paradox. doesn't it? It does yeah. feel like a can God microwave a burrito so hot he can't eat it type thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that's why children make the best theologians. Yeah, because, because they will, because the emperor has no emperor yeah. has no wings on it. Yes. Can God make something so heavy that God himself cannot pick it up? I'll tell you what will blow uh, some students' minds. I do teach an intro to philosophy class. And we do a little like unit on religion which is a version of this question, which is, do you believe that God has a plan, like predestination? Like God has chosen your mate for you or God has given you a life path. So does God know the future? So if you say yes to that, my next question is, can God change the future? So he only can have one of those two powers. <laughs> he cannot know the future and change the future, which means that God is not all powerful. So there's a potentially mind-twisting paradox for you. I I love I love the concept of just being okay with not knowing. Sure. Yep. Like and that's one of those like I've struggled with it. I've identified uh again I, I heard a little bit of the conversation. I've identified as an atheist for a long time. Mhm. Mm because I know, like I read somewhere, it is the one trait that people test most negatively towards. Mm -hmm. yep. If you are running for office, yep. every religion is better than atheist. Yep. Which is 
weird to me because it's one of those where I'm like, oh, but I don't want to identify as an agnostic because I think everybody with a shred of reason is an agnostic. Like, I think anybody that I'm willing to listen to is an agnostic because if you're not, you, you want to burn down my house for having sex with my girlfriend. Right. Right. (laughs) Like I I grew up with that and that's kind of an unfair position to take too. But I grew up with a type of religion where it was almost like a competitive, Oh, you believe in orthodontia. You're not a real Christian. Oh, you think women should be, allowed to not carry a, a fetus to term you're not just not a christian you're in league with the devil right like oh you think oh you think the earth is round you're suspicious not sure you believe in god hard enough yes it's just one of those where like what's the bot is the bottom i have to wake up every day and ask god if i need to go kill my eldest right <laughs> And in in that story, which my favorite philosopher Kierkegaard wrote about a lot, the key thing that you, which goes to faith, uh, Jesse, is that Abraham had to believe he had to kill his son. Mm -hmm. Like he couldn't like have faith that God would save him at the end because then he wasn't really doing it. Yeah. He had to be going to kill his son in order for God stopping him to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, uh, he wasn't uh, following God. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so the person in your hypothetical story has to wake up in the morning, uh, DJ, ready to kill their son. Like, if that's what God tells them to do. And yeah, (laughs) yes. I I don't, yeah, and, and I've never really been able to look at that as a virtue. Right, indeed. (laughs) And anyone, including 99% of the Christians and Jews and Muslims, you know, would stop their neighbor from doing that. They would not say, oh, how godly that person is. They'd say, tackle that lunatic and get the knife out of his hand. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hey, let's make sure we have time for at least one more comment, Jesse. Give us one more thing you have ready. What are we doing? Let's. All right, let's do it. So... So this one was uh, brought up as well as with my co-host, uh, John Jacobs, from the At The Grown-Ups Table. This is something that kind of came up in discussion. So Jesse does a weekly podcast called At The Grown-Ups Table, and he and his co-host were talking about something that wound up going on to Facebook and causing some chatter. Yeah. We were talking about the idea of Hollywood's – We were t- the episode was about The Matrix. And we started talking about how there is kind of this religious under – tone to it which a lot of hollywood movies have this kind of metaphoric savior you know like mm-hmm. anakin is space jesus uh, harry potter's wizard jesus uh superman <laughs> in man of steel is super jesus in this case right. matrix he is neo is cyber jesus so right. the idea is uh you know like what is we're kind of talking about you know uh why does it seem like this metaphoric savior complex is always brought into movies you know when you say toxic avenger is toxic jesus Absolutely. <laughs> I forgot that one. That's the most important yeah. one. I mean, the, the, that's it's, it's a competition between Toxic Avenger, Toxic Jesus, and Evangelical Jesus, Toxic Jesus. Toxic Jesus. One of those two. Or is it, or, or, our next celebrity death match will be the two Toxic Jesuses. I'm sorry. Toxic, toxic Jesus was actually John Wayne. in every movie he was ever in (laughs) there you go (laughs) and in real life (laughs) Mm -hmm. um which that's my father's favorite actor so i'm gonna get punched next time i see my father (laughs) by the way that's adult punching not child abuse i want to make that perfectly clear uh this is one of those sorry to talk in a bit but it's just a joke i've written over quarantine that i absolutely love yeah i i've realized recently that you can be a great dad without being a good man. <laughs> my dad never hit me growing up, but swung on me three times as an adult. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird, like he would never hit a kid, but he's not right. going to let a grown up disagree with him. Not at um, and you grew up in a religious background. I grew up in a wrestling background. So just take that up a notch, you know. <laughs> Is disturbingly entwined. Yes, you are correct, sir. <laughs> Incest. The Venn diagram of those two worlds is quite overlapping. Yeah, so there have been a whole lot of, of manger manias. 
It's uh, WrestleMania weekend this week. I don't know if your nerd sphere dips into that, but it's a big week for us, for us, <laughs> us, us broad-shouldered faithful. <laughs> well, I mean, talk about faith. Imagine what you're watching is two grown men in decorative tights with fanciful names grappling acrobatically, even beautifully, sometimes brutally, and you have to decide whether or not you think it's real. <laughs> that's a that's a bigger act of faith than what happens in most churches, for sure. Oh, it 100% is. Hey, um, I'll just throw in, I want to say, Jesse, about that question and all the Hollywood movies that have savior motifs. I mean, I think that is a storytelling motif. It's probably yeah. a story archetype that's older than the story of Jesus. Mm -hmm. There were other demigods with similar stories. Famously, Dionysus, the Greek god, has almost the same biography as Jesus. And so that idea of even dying, protecting or fighting for what we believe in, and then being reborn, that is definitely just a, I don't say just because it's kind of important. It's an important story <laughs> archetype that predates Hollywood and predates the Bible. And, and I don't even think it's like shoplifted. I think it's just a real easy story. It's Beowulf. Oh, yeah. It's almost Jungian. It's like a uh, psychological archetype that there should be a story like that. Also, this is going to sound like it's it's dying young is sexy. It oh, sounds fun yeah. and sleazy, yeah. but it is, man. Like, hey, this guy didn't get to finish his... It's, it's the reason the first Batman's easier to write than the third Batman. Like, yeah. art in a story rules. Yes. And I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, James Dean is the sort of 20th century archetype of that. Made yeah, three great movies. Indiana bisexual Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Don't say that around here. People get pissed. Right. <laughs> hey, unless anyone's life has changed since last we spoke, all three of us are married. Yeah, I've been married. It's changed. I am no longer married. Oh, <laughs> we're happy. So that's nice. Okay, well, this isn't therapy. I won't go deeper down that rabbit hole, but thank you for sharing. Yeah. We'll just say what I was just going to say is, did you find your mates? Like, was that faith or was that accidents? Or was it, instead of faith, was it fate? You know, I'm not even quite sure what I'm asking, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, my mind is a lot easier to answer now without having to run it past anybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. I think I think people pair up real well sometimes. And I think some people are uh we're social creatures and the family is a real mm -hmm. easy, I don't want to say easy, it's a whole lot of work, but it's a it's a simple yeah. yep. society to make. Like a lot of us work way better together. And if you find somebody you work with, run with it, man. That's beautiful and awesome. I'd never want to get in your way, but yep. I don't think you're doing anything more important than anybody else trying to make more of us. <laughs> I was um, married once before. I married my college girlfriend. And speaking of, just you remind me of that, just I'll, uh, again, without going the route of therapy, I'll just make this comment. We were a great couple in college. It was a huge mistake to get married. Like that was a different phase of life <laughs> that we were not well suited for. <laughs> but yeah. as a companion during college years, you know, a lot of synergy. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like my answer to the question is going to be, contaminated because uh, I met my wife in Catholic school. <laughs> so like, so at a, at a Catholic mingle. <laughs> well, one aspect I could be like, no, no, we would have been destined to meet without the school, but then you'll have the one person going, would you? And it's like, yeah. come on, that's not even fair. But I, yeah, I believe, I just believe, you know, I, 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 I believe in the sense that, you know, true love is out there and you'll, you'll find it, you know, kind of, so it's not much a religious idea that I have. I believe if you're really meant to be with somebody, your past right. is just going to keep, I'm going to, I call it the, when Harry bet Sally, uh, right. uh, deal, you know, they kept meeting back and forth until eventually they just ended up. Right. Which that movie had the horriblest, wrongest ending. Yeah. <laughs> because based on the theme of that movie, it should end with them in elevators passing each other. Yes. Uh, yes. No, I'm thinking of Sleepless in Seattle. Sorry, Sleepless in Seattle had the wrong ending. That's oh, where they okay. meet at the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah. They 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 should never have met. That movie would be like a genius film. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle, not when Harry met Sally. Yeah. I think that because so many people 
date and marry people in their immediate vicinity. I mean, again, like five block radius. That to find your soulmate, you need to travel. And if you can travel internationally, which is it's why it's my goal to sleep with at least one person from every country. <laughs> that way I'll know I've met my soulmate. As a man of science. As a man, yes, scientifically proven. Yes, with a data set large enough. I, I do think your point uh, earlier, Jesse, kind of played into it. I feel weird as, as a self-identified atheist or whatever. I realize how tremendously I benefited from the institutions of religion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a jerk sometimes. <laughs> like, hey, I'm sorry, but I'm not, I'm not willing to carry the misogyny with me mm-hmm. because you taught me how to be nice to stupid people. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm still talking to you says you did a good job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's a weird part because it's one of those where I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm glad you taught me how to put my boots on, but you can do more than just stomping shit in them. Yes. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's my my problem with organized religion is it teaches this good shit and then it gets into the weird shit. And that's where, mm-hmm. but I think the basic part of what people deem religion is just being a decent human being, regardless if you believe in some sort of entity or not. You know, just, you just, just be a nice human being. And I think religion sometimes takes responsibility. Like, oh, you know that whole part about where we're all being nice to each other? We came up with that shit. And it's like, no, you didn't. Yeah, nobody here, nobody has a monopoly on good behavior. <laughs> exactly. No, that's it. That's us. We did that. <laughs> yeah. We had commandments. We 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 trademarked that back on the mountain. All right, that's our shit. You know, sharing. That's all us. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing. I just feel like because, as Jerry mentioned, the golden rule it, it exists to some certain degree in any other religion. And you know, just because someone is atheist, they're not going to be like. Oh, that's dumb. They'd be like, oh yeah, that's the good idea to live by. Treat people equally and wonderfully. It's not like it's not like someone's atheist and they go, fuck that idea. <laughs> I forget what it was, but somebody just pointed it out. It kind of turned the whole like Q anon nonsense up on its head. If there is an evil Illuminati that's controlling the world, mm-hmm. they live here too. Yeah. They don't want to live in a world with no puppies. They don't want to live in a world where sugar quit tasting like sugar. They they don't hate sunshine. Like there is no, unless they're lizard people. And then I guess I'm then. Yeah, that changes everything. And I'm not, I'm and and based on the current composition of the Senate, I do believe in turtle people. (laughs) (laughs) There are several, at least three or four, at least one for sure. There's a turtle person in our Senate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, I bring this up because there was a kind of a funny question. I've been watching uh, HBO's uh, coverage on QAnon. They have this uh, kind mm-hmm. of this documentary, and it's basically just to give you guys a summary. Think Tiger People or Tiger King right. with politics and computers. It's right. just Tiger King. But right. I love this one lady who's diehard about QAnon, and she said something about religion and QAnon that just. It baffled me, and I fell off out of my chair laughing. She said, "At one, because they believe in there's the there's a a league of elites that have underground dungeons where yeah. uh, they rape, kill, and drink the bloods of children." Yeah. And she said, "And she's like, well, by that logic, let me tell you something: the world is flat." And then the the interviewer's like, "Wait, what? Yeah, the world is flat. Why do you believe that? Well, if God can let there be an underground dungeon with the elites doing that." Why not? And like the right. you hear you can right. smell the smoke what? coming from the documentary guy's head. He's like, wait, what are you talking about? One of the big things that you're like a Dawkins and Hitchens like was most concerned about, because most religious people you meet in the street, not unlike what DJ was describing, are basically like nice ish people. And maybe <laughs> some of them, their religion helps them learn to be nice ish people. Even setting aside terrorists and extremists, just in the mainstream, middle, soft, marshmallow part of religion, you still have to accept magical thinking. And once you've entered an acceptance of magical thinking, there's like no end to that. You're now open to any suggestion or vulnerable to any suggestion. And indeed, the more you push back, like if a religious person 
like logically and strenuously tries to push back against QAnon, they also end up having to push back against their own beliefs. So it's a hard, I don't mean that every religious person is automatically believes in QAnon. I'm talking about the difficulties that magical thinking brings once you introduce them into your uh, worldview. I, I think I, I'm going to interrupt you, Jesse, to say one other thing. The last Q&A I did for this podcast, the theme was conspiracy theories. So A, I kind of don't want to redo conspiracy theories right now. I agree, I agree. Hey, everybody listening to this in the future, not right now, uh, I'll put a link to that episode and you can get some more of my thoughts on conspiracy theories in that earlier episode. I I think it's going to be hard because they're going to be in the news for a while because just with the onset of social, we're all just kind of learning how dumb all of us are in in different Like whenever anybody tries to tell me like the world's getting worse or, oh, my God, people are stupid now or blah, blah, blah. People used to know more. No, in the 80s, people thought pro wrestling was real. And one guy hit you with a snake. Like, nah, like we're good. Like we're not dumber. We've always been real dumb. Yeah, we're not any dumber than we were back then. Strange. Hey, uh, fun fact. uh, Extra fun fact. Anyone who says fun fact, you're allowed to slap. Um, if, if they're over the age of 18. But fun fact, a recent study shows that the human IQ is going up by approximately two points every generation, like every 20 years or so. So by yeah. IQ standards, whatever the hell that means when you're dealing in the real world, people are getting smarter in general on average <laughs> for all yeah. the good it's doing us. Just a slow, raising but, an average is so hard. Yeah, the... Hey, we're gonna. I think we're gonna finish up soon, so I want to give both of you like a chance to go around twice. Once will be final thoughts, and then the second will be if you have anything you want to plug coming up. But let's just say we've been talking. Seems like faith came up a few times today. I might make that the subtitle for the published version of this episode. Any thoughts about any of the topics of today, or just things you wanted to say, or get off your chest while you have the chance? I'll since uh, DJ's a special guest. I'll do Jesse first, and then DJ. And Jesse, I'm giving you like 40 seconds max. So final good. thoughts, Jesse. Faith, faith is great, but it doesn't just automatically make you a great human being. You can have faith and be a incredibly shitty human being. You cannot have faith and be an incredibly shitty human being. And you can have or have not and be a great person. Point is, the two are the two are two different things. Just be a good person. Be kind. I'm going to quote Rob Williams because I like the one quote he had. Be kind to everybody because you don't know what battle they're going through mm-hmm. and respect their battle. And he so. was going through some battles himself, indeed. Yeah. I'm going to say, Jesse, a couple times today, used the phrase organized religion, which I couldn't help think about what would a disorganized religion be, which then made me wish that the Marx brothers had a religion. And then I realized they do. It's being the Marx brothers. And that is who I worship. So that's my disorganized religion is worshiping the Marx brothers. Another Marx. <laughs> Carlin worshiped Joe Pesci. So why not? <laughs> How about you, DJ? Any uh, final thoughts or things you want to make sure you get to say? Christian mingle might be weird, but atheist get together is the most depressing place <laughs> you'll ever go. <laughs> uh, it's a lot like what's happening right now, actually. So if you can imagine this podcast was a dating site. <laughs> it's sexy. Oh yeah, DJ is a, DJ is handsome. Excellent. Hey, uh, it's we're recording this on April, on um, April 11th. The um, live video will stay up for a while, or you know the video of this will stay up, and I'll also do an edited version of the audio for the podcast. Just clean it up a little bit. So it's April 11th. In the next few weeks or couple months, any gigs or anything you want to plug? What do you guys got going on, Jesse? Uh, just basically check out uh, jessepipadella.com. Uh, I'm going to uh, be all over the area uh, with like Newark, Ohio, Cambridge, Ohio, Galena, Ohio, and then I'll be venturing out to West Virginia for a leg. So just check out. Well, you have your website? Vanilla.com. Excellent. How about DJ? Any uh, gigs or interesting things coming up? Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm putting on a real neat show on uh, on 420 in indianapolis i'm doing a show i hope it's something i do a lot it's uh the fancy trash show Uh, (laughs) it's like a a live action choose your own adventure kind of a cooperative trivia game okay uh it's big and silly i will be playing it's uh i'll be playing wizard nixon 
Is, is Nixon and the war on 420. You know, I want to play Wizard Nixon. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's something I hope I do a lot of. I hope it's something people get to see. Well, Can I'm, they get information on Facebook or your website? or? Yeah, it's uh, well, we're, we're doing like a trial run on 420, and uh, I'm hoping to have a bunch of stuff that I'll put everywhere on all of my social media right afterwards when it's a go. And that's in uh, Indianapolis? Yep. Sweet. Yeah. I love Indianapolis. That's, that's where we first met, and I remember it fondly. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'll uh, I'll be at Helium Comedy Club on the twenty second and twenty fourth, same in, city. In which city? Helium. In what or, city? Uh, Indianapolis. In Indiana. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cool. Helium. Helium. Yeah, there's a there's not a helium in Cleveland, but there's one in upstate New York. So I was trying to remember yeah. what it's in. Uh, anywho, you know, I was trying to launch the Comical Heathen Live one person show which I did a few of right before the pandemic hit in Columbus. Jesse was my opener. Mm -hmm. And then I had a, some shows scheduled in 2020 that all got canceled, which yeah. is, I understand. So I'm on board with the being safe. Looking into the future, I'm going to start reviving that. And I am uh, scheduled to be in the Kansas City Fringe in August doing that uh, one-person show. And I'm also helping out with the Rubber City Comedy Festival in Akron the first weekend of May. So I'll be around that. So please, if you can, support the Rubber City Comedy Festival. Next week's episode. So season two of The Comical Heathen, I'm trying to do 10 weekly episodes every Sunday. This is this week's episode. Next week on The Comical Heathen, our guest is comedian Brian Scott McFadden. So funny. Oh, my God. Show business family. His grandfather was in vaudeville. And then my guest co-host is my good friend Dan Brown, another member of the Action Comedy Nerd Show. That just leaves it for me to thank everybody. I, I already thank my musicians for my theme music. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Mark. I want to uh, thank Jesse for being my co-host as well as running the live stream for me. So thank you, Jesse. No problem. And uh, thank you, DJ. I'm so glad we could connect this way. And we did do that interview a couple of years ago. And thank you for being our special guest on this live cast. Thank you. So good to see you, man. All right. And uh, just remember, it might be your dogma, but it's my karma. And I'm all about spreading the love. Mm -hmm.